0: It's time now for all you ever wanted to know. A chance for you to get to know what's going on in and around your community and the fabulous people that make it happen. With On The Land, here's Jack Dawes. Well, once again, uh, good morning to our favorite thing to
1: do on a Thursday morning, a little snow squall we noticed uh, coming into Yorkton from Saltcoats, but uh, seems like we're back to a, a decent kind of a day. Well, to begin the program, I uh, uh, just want to say a way to go to Parish and Heimbecker of Yorkton. They shared the Yorkton Chamber of Commerce Award of Excellence with the Painted Hand Casino and the Yorkton Tribal Council. The Community Merit Award presented as well to Big Brothers, uh, Big Sisters in Yorkton. Now, AgriVision 2020, the virtual edition, uh, this year, of course, the regular show had to be uh, dumped. Now, that will be followed by our radio colleague, uh, Harry Siemens, who has the real story about shorthorn cattle. Advanced mask technology is not strictly an agriculture topic, but COVID-19 has impacted our ag community maybe more than many others. So today we hear from a man whose company has moved the ball ahead on mask technology. Alan Johnston is a grain broker at Wellwyn, Saskatchewan, near Mooseman. So we wanted to find out what a buyer and marketer of grain was doing with ions embedded in a cloth mask. I, I
2: Actually, I just stumbled onto this. Uh, I got a fax from a company in Winnipeg that New of us, I guess, sent me a fax, and I read it in the morning, and it said something about COVID killing masks, and the man had tuned me right into it. And I'm 71 years old, and uh, I have poor lungs, so that's, this is very, very important to me. So I read it, and I called these people in Winnipeg, and found out more what what they were doing, and they were just representing a, a guy or two guys in Whitby, Ontario, that invented this thing back in March. But it's embedded with silver ions, so I looked into that more and more and more. And, found out that silver ions do kill bacteria, they do kill viruses and that. So this really, again, turned me on to find out more. So I spoke to them and I spoke to the inventor in Toronto and got more and more comfortable with it. I am anything but a scientist or a medical person of any kind. Just a strong interest because I don't think these white masks that we're being asked to wear in public right now, I, I think you can hang a Kleenex over her mouth and be doing about as much. My opinion, but it's, uh, I think it 's mass propaganda by the governments and everybody to try and make people feel comfortable to wear them. It might stop you from you know spewing out of your mouth uh, great distances, but it doesn 't protect you when you wear it, and it just kind of protecting the other guy a little bit, so it just helps a little bit let 's say let 's give it one percent've been washing my
3: mask in just in you know a regular washing machine every week for for four months. And it faded a little bit, but the but the elastic is still good. the cotton is still great. I just hang it on the on a knob on the dryer. I don't put it in the dryer because the elastic gets caught up and the socks and
1: so that second voice was Steve Merson, a Toronto area entrepreneur. Alan Johnson is in Wellwyn, Saskatchewan. Uh Steve Merson is in Whitby, Ontario. Um, yes, on the land we'll connect the dots between Wellwyn, Saskatchewan, and Whitby, Ontario, call it Greater Toronto, if you will. Well, the barns at Regina Exhibition Park are quiet this week. Normally the site would be resonating with the clamor of thousands of hooves and maybe even the scent of cow pies, um, not many reindeer, but Agribition's 50th anniversary show was put on hold until next year. But still, Agribition will hold a commercial cattle sale In Moose Jaw on Saturday, uh, that would be with uh, Johnstone's auction mark, not related to Alan Johnson from Wellman, I don't believe. Now, to deal with the pandemic uh, cancellation, Agribition is offering a new digital marketing service to their livestock and trade show exhibitors who may want to connect with the international markets across the globe. The usual agribition finale would be the slap on the rump of a supreme grand champion animal on Saturday night after the parade of grand champion animals from all of the Western Canadian major beef shows. But the pesky COVID virus had other ideas this year. So CEO Chris Lane says creative minds found a way to go virtual.
4: In the livestock side of things, in the purebred cattle world, uh, the RBC Beef Supreme Year agribition has... Um, really made its own reputation as the uh you know single most important livestock event um, in Canada and I would argue uh uh it's probably in the top 3 around the world and and so We wanted to make sure that the idea of a Suprema, the idea of of showcasing the world's best cattle was still an option here so this is uh, uh, around what we created the Evolution Series which is a a virtual series of breed shows all culminating uh, into a Supreme Um, so champions from each one of those breeds uh, can compete for a virtual Supreme so that's happening this week actually and uh, results will be posted on that pretty soon. I think it's important to remember that you know the the you know there's some magic in the air when we can get together in person and see those cattle all in the ring um, come from the top breeders around really the 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 world but especially Western Canada to compete at aggravation in person so we wanted to make sure we didn't do anything that was you know that didn't pretend to replace that more just support the idea of it so that's what that was about in the, in addition to that we've had a lot of fun in the last month. Uh, running a Supreme Showdown, we've called it, which is, if you're familiar with March Madness brackets, we took that concept and uh, populated the brackets with every Supreme Champion, bull and female, that's ever been slapped here at Iker And we actually had uh, all of our fans on Facebook make their votes for who they think is sort of the best of the best of all those Supreme Champions. And uh, we had a lot of fun. Uh, our exhibitors, our Facebook community had a lot of fun um, going back and forth and casting votes on that and uh and that wrapped up uh, earlier this week and uh, and we were really happy to see the engagement well we've got an all time uh social media vote champion winner, that's for sure. we <laughs> um, yeah, and a bull and uh, uh and a female uh were revealed on um, Monday evening. How about I ask you to uh check it out online. Yeah, it's um, it's on our social media page and um you know, I'm not playing coy with you, but it is—you know—it's a lot of fun to see the video that was made and to see some of the interaction uh, around those winners. Um, so, I think that's a, that's a big part of the of the competition, and it is—it's uh, a ton of fun.
1: Not again, uh, Chris Lane, he's the CEO at uh, Agribition, and uh, Jordan Patswold my producer, helps me out in a lot of ways. Uh, since I called this segment Beef Supreme, he thought it might be something you might order at uh, Taco Time or maybe one of the other
4: fast food places.
1: Well, Rodeo 2 will be featured in a special video series.
4: We've uh, spent a couple months um, filming and editing and uh, now airing a web series around... The Maple Leaf Finals Rodeo uh, in particular, but rodeo is a sport in general. And so we've started airing those on social media every Sunday. We've got a new episode uh, for the next five Sundays. And then we're also going to be having those available on our website and through social media. Um, throughout the rest of the year. And really, each episode's got a theme. They're sort of anywhere between 15 and 20 minutes long. We get behind the scenes with our volunteers. We get behind the scenes with contestants about how the sport itself is managing through all this COVID. I mean, don't forget, you know, aggravation uh, uh, has been postponed, but every... Uh, a major rodeo event in the country has also been postponed so you know as a sport as an industry uh, as contestants um you know they've got struggles too that that uh it's community building to be able to spend some time and and shed a bit of light and celebrate that sport too so anyway the web the, the web tv series uh accomplishes that and it's been a lot of fun to create and it's allowed us to connect with rodeo fans and rodeo insiders from all over the country well, every Sunday, uh we're going to be putting a new episode out on our Facebook page. And then as those episodes air, uh, they'll all be available for watching again on our website at agribition.com.
1: So, it's the new world of uh, marketing. And uh, speaking of which, uh, if you thought you knew... Uh, what uh, shorthorn cattle were are all about. You might want to check in this next piece with our buddy Harry Siemens, who's uh, uh, dug into it. Harry, what's the story on these uh, shorthorn cattle?
0: Ian Smith farms a quarter section. We've had him on here before when he talked about the natural pork that he sells to customers direct because he has a little pig farm. But he's got a quarter section, and he raises... Uh, five or six different crops he has uh, chickens pork and cattle and uh he he's quite proud of his shorthorn purebred uh, uh farm that he has and uh, and it's nothing to to sneeze about for the simple reason that it's, it's, it's exciting, it's good. And uh, I had a chance to visit with Ian and how he's into shorthorn purebred cattle, but the one thing right off the bat I want to say, he told me that when the settlers came to Canada, western Canada, the cattle they brought along were shorthorn. So it was the first registered brief a uh, breed that uh, we've seen in Canada. But let's run uh, the interview. Tell me to get started.
5: Well, we've always had some uh, cattle on the farm here so It's 1953 when Mom and Dad bought the farm and that. And the, the last of the true mixed farmer I am still here. Cattle, pigs, chickens, and uh, grain, oil seeds and that, canola. But uh, the cattle is uh, a true love of mine. Uh, I almost prefer them over the pigs. Much easier to work with than that, and I've had we've had different breeds, the Charlet, the Limousines, and all those uh, exotic breeds. Uh, just I decided five years ago to go, try the Shorthorns. Um, the cows are tied up in the barn, and I just uh, by myself here wanted an animal that was more docile, easier to work with, and yet uh, was uh, a good animal to uh have because of marbling and that. The meat is very marbling and very tasty and that. So I switched to the shorthorns and not completely. I still have some black limousine here but it's very noticeable when you have that uh, shorthorn bull and you cross the, it with uh, the exotic breeds how much calmer those calves that come off of those exotic animals are compared to breeding them to your other exotics, or even to the breeding them to the Angus. Uh, the shorthorn just makes a complete difference to your herd. So calmer animals become uh, uh, less stress. Less stress means more money in your pocket, and the packers prefer that too. Uh animal that has less stress on them makes more money for them, puts more pounds on and that's becoming more common for the packers and the feedlots wanting the shorthorn genetics, and it's very easy to tell the shorthorn genetics. There's so many blacks around now. When crossing a shorthorn to a black animal now, you'll get a roan, a blue roan, and so there's no fooling around. The, the buyers know there's horn blood in them, and they pay a premium then when there's uh, that blue roan in them. And the Shorthorn is one of the last breeds around that has not got other genetics put in. Like, there's the Semitol, the Limousine, the Galbies. They were never all black. They've all put, uh, black Angus in them to get that black into them. And the British, uh, bloodlines have been needed into those exotic breeds. And now everything's so black in that, and they're finding out they need to have something different. And the Shorthorn is, the, one they're choosing because of the, of the mothering ability, the good milking, and the, the quietness, the docile, being so docile means so much. And yet they keep the good frame to them, medium to large frame. So it's a win win situation for everybody. Tell me, uh, how big is your herd? I'm very small, of course. But uh I've only got uh and will only have fourteen or fifteen cows in the one bull. But I use AI and uh all types of bulls I'm using for AI. I got about, about four or five different AI bulls plus my own bull. But my goal is uh not to have uh quantity but to have quality. And my goal is to sell breeding stock and quality breeding stock so I'd rather have less but have the
0: best. How do you sell the breeding stock?
5: Well, I've been using uh, I've been selling from the farm too. Uh but my main goal is use uh taking my animals to, uh, heifers and and uh bull calves to uh the Douglas Bow Test station and uh, in the fall here, like in uh October November there and taking them there and they're on test and uh, there for the whole winter. And then they have an auction sale. There's about four, five, six different breeds of cattle there. Your Angus, Charolais, uh, Limousines, and Galbies, and and uh, there, and the Shorthorns. And they're all fed the same feed, and they all go through the same test and and feed conversion. And and uh, every 28 days they're weighed, and the daily gain is uh, recorded, and it's all performance. So that's my little niche there, going through that, and yeah, it costs a bit to, more money to feed them there and that, and go through the procedure. And but that's the performance deal there. And when a person buys from there, they know they're getting a good performance animal. Anything that uh, won't go for uh, that, I consider wouldn't go for good for marketing for breeding. Yes, I've started to uh, sell. Uh, sides of, uh, sides of beef in that and, I uh, uh, get them, uh, finished, uh, fed up in that, uh, feedlot, uh, nearby and, uh, they'll finish them off properly and, uh, then I'll be selling sides of beef in that as I do with my pork here. So I'm trying to, and hopefully do my best in promoting this breed because it, uh, is what the first, it's, is the first Registered breed that came to North America. They came here in 1825, uh, uh, the Shorthorn breed, uh, to North America, and uh, the settlers uh, brought them over from Europe and from uh, uh, Great Britain because of the so being so docile and a dual-purpose animal. They're good for milking, the dual-purpose milking and for beef. And as we all know, the the ox cart back in the day was always pulled by a shorthorn animal and uh that was when you see an ox cart and see a ox on that uh, cart that's the shorthorn that uh, you're seeing there so the shorthorn uh, you know was here just be- uh, before the horses even to break the land up here in, uh, in
1: all right harry that's uh that's a, g- a great story and uh, uh just r- refresh uh, remind us who is that gentleman
0: and where He's, uh, Ian Smith. He's just, uh, in the Interlake and, uh, and he's, uh, you know, and s- outside of Stonewall, I guess it is. Stonewall, Manitoba, north of Winnipeg by about 35, 40 miles. And, uh, as I said, he, uh, you know, he loves to sell pork. Now he's selling beef, but boy, you can see a passion. Here's a mixed farm, a quarter section. Probably doesn't have any debt ever. And, uh, he's making a living. He's a single fella. I can't wait until COVID is over, because I'm going down, and I want him to make me a steak like I've never had before.
1: Well, Harry, as I think I told you previously, uh, uh, that story has personal interest for me, because back in the day when they had such a an entity, uh, my wife's cousin was the shorthorn lassie for Manitoba. Now, of course, that would be considered sexist these days, to have a shorthorn lassie, but... Uh, uh her name was Irene Inverarity a good scottish name and uh yeah that was i think back maybe in the uh, in the 60s so uh, uh great and we'll look forward to maybe a further follow up with them uh, uh harry uh i understand you may be breaking away so uh, uh thanks for joining in on the program today Hey, my my privilege, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Okay. Uh, Harry Siemens is in Winkler, and uh, this is On the Land from The Rock. I'm Jack Does. You're listening
0: to All You Ever Wanted to Know. If you have a question for today's guest, call 783-5160 or 1-855-449-5160.
1: Well, Yorkton's economy, as many people would understand, is bolstered by two major canola crush plants. So you might ask yourself, uh, how did that happen? Well, think of this. The five-year canola yield average has grown from 25.3 bushels per acre to 41 bushels per acre just in the last 20 years. So it goes without saying, industry research and investment have paid off in more ways than one. These factors easily explain why canola has become such a huge cash crop. Next week, the industry will spend three days focused on where we go from here, simply called Canola Days, and as you would expect, it will be all virtual online. The 2025 target is 52 bushels per acre, which the Canola Council says will be needed to meet global market demand of 26 million metric tons. Uh, more info on that, just go to Canola Week uh, 2020. A University of Saskatchewan-led international team sequencing the genome for 15 wheat varieties. Uh, Why is this important? Well, here's something I didn't really understand. It's important because wheat represents about 20% of human caloric intake globally. It's estimated wheat production must increase by more than 50% by 2050 to meet the increasing world demand. Curtis Pozniak, by the way, is... uh, Uh, was a a farm kid from Buchanan. He's now at the University of Saskatchewan. And uh, he tells me in Jordan that at one time he even used to listen to me on the radio. How about that? (laughs) Obviously smart kids from uh, Buchanan. Well, for the third third year in a row, the Food Grains Bank was named as one of the top ten impact charities in Canada by Charity Intelligence. Uh, The report by Charity Intelligence notes that high-impact charities like the Food Grains Bank deliver average returns of $7 for every dollar donated. And uh, we'd like you to raise a hand and say way to go to Parrish and Heinbecker of Yorkton who shared the Yorkton Chamber of Commerce Award of Excellence with the Painted Hand Casino and the Yorkton Tribal Council this week. The Community Merit Award, by the way, was presented to a couple of other great organizations, Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Yorkton and the Royal Canadian Legion. In the midst of the COVID-19 economic fallout, Canada and Britain have struck a new trade deal. Uh, the interim deal beat the December 31st Brexit deadline still ahead. The deal would replace our current agreement with Britain under the European Union, a deal which covers trade between our two countries. Now, the interim pact was announced... Amid a virtual gathering of G20 leaders, in effect, this agreement gives Canada and Britain another year to reach a more comprehensive agreement, but should ward off a no-deal scenario that would have triggered some new tariffs, tariffs rather on various Canadian exports on January 1st. All this, according to uh, published reports, but the parties took the unusual route of providing no pre-announcement briefings uh, to journalists, and no text was released. Uh, This conference was hosted by Saudi Arabia, virtually, but the two leaders, uh, Boris Johnson and uh, Mr. Sparkle Sox, Justin Trudeau, uh, spoke on a shared video screen. A new report from the Canada West Foundation says our country needs to be ready when it's time to re-engage with China on trade issues. That's not going to happen, while well, two Canadians, uh, Michael Spavor and Michael Corvig, continue to be held in a Chinese jail. The arrests nearly two years ago, of course, were in retaliation for the detention of a senior Huawei executive in Vancouver, and uh, uh, farmers certainly know what an impact that has had on the uh, canola interest, uh, the canola industry. While well, the low interest rates have allowed the massive government borrowing, but again, Uh, People, especially given uh, Canada's new debt position uh, in the uh, pandemic. Well, how Australia succeeded in lowering COVID-19 cases to near zero uh, is an interesting story. In the battle with COVID, Australia set out virtually to eliminate the virus from its shores. According to reports, when Australia was hit with a surge of COVID-19 cases in late July, that was just weeks after declaring victory against the first wave of COVID. It promoted one of the world's longest lockdowns in Melbourne. Virtually everything that wasn't a grocery store or hospital was closed for nearly four months. And, of course, that uh, comes uh, closer to home. So we want to tell you a story about uh, Steve Merson, which we mentioned off the top of the program. Uh, Here in Canada, uh, an innovative company has come up with a uh, contribution to limiting the spread of COVID-19. Steve Merson owns a web design business in Whitby, Ontario, really part of Greater Toronto. Uh, So what was the origin of his idea?
3: So we started DIT Web Solutions as a web applications company. It has a lot of clients, who smaller clients, who when COVID started, we, they were looking for cotton masks. They needed cotton masks. The roofers and the plumbers and the smaller operations needed cotton masks so they could go into um, people's homes when, when our first lockdown. So we reached out to one of our stitchers who was who worked with us our promotional items and asked for those, and he was happy to oblige. We were doing that for about a month, and another one of our clients came to us and said he had a media that he was using in his dental business um, that actually is antiviral. So we were very interested in that, and he wondered if we could combine the two. So over the process, over the period of eight months now, nine months, we have developed eight different prototypes for a, a antiviral mask. These masks are 99.9% effective against flu, Ebola, Zika virus, and most importantly, COVID-19. So we realized at that point we had a winner. We got the federal government got involved with these, and they were very strict about where we were getting the uh, where we were getting the Ingredients or the you know the pieces of our masks. So we, we've agreed that nothing in our masks would be, come from anywhere but North America. So we have sourced all the cotton, the elastic, the media is is all North American. Uh, we are making these masks and with the Ontario, so they're actually Canadian made. So we're very proud of ourselves that so we, in such a short period of time we've created a mask that is antiviral and selling well.
1: What's the secret to being antiviral?
3: There is a media um, in between the two layers, the front and the back layers, like most of the cotton masks, or Jersey cotton. And the third layer in between is a uh, polypropylene material that has been embedded with silver, powdered silver. So when you breathe through our masks, the warmth and the moisture from your breath Ionizes activates the silver and the silver ion, then actually kill any bacteria or viruses that are that come uh, either way from your mouth or from the the outside. So if you had the flu or God forbid COVID, it would protect you from passing it along, and it would. And if someone else had COVID and was coming towards you, it would protect you. So both ways are protected.
1: Some people, as soon as you would mention any kind of metallic substance uh mm-hmm. or an oxide thereof, they would get nervous about it. Uh, how is yeah, yeah. safe? Yeah.
3: So it, it is safe because the powdered silver is ionized, is, is uh, meshed right into the uh, the media, which means that th- that it is. It will not come up. We've had it forward tested, and we've had them tested by the federal labs. So there is no raw silver actually being breathed in. It's just uh, it's the ions that are important. The, the the ions, the silver ions, we've known for years, centuries that silver is uh, antiviral, antibacterial. They wipe children's eyelids, you know, babies' eyelids with silver oxide when they're born, to, um, you know, to to kill off back to after birth. So we've known this for years and years and years. So it was tested to make sure that none of these particles were coming through and being breathed in, and they have, it has been, uh, the federal government has uh, obviously, you know, they they said that it's a go-ahead and we sell these masks. We're looking for final um, permitting now. These will be medical mask three once we get the federal permit. So there so, is no, to answer to answer uh, your question, there is no silver. You do not, you can't breathe in the silver, you can't ingest the silver.
1: That again, Steve Merson. And uh, so we wanted to know, what's the testing protocol? Right, so uh, the testing process then, uh, tell me a little bit about that, if you would.
3: Sure, we've had
1: them tested at the
3: Nelson Lab in the United States. Uh, Cirrus Labs in Maryland and then three federal labs in Canada. So we've had them tested. They are antiviral. They are heat tested. Uh, so they will not melt or burst into flames. They are autoclavable. They are hydroclavable. So we've had them tested for melting heat and also for uh, flammability, the um, PF, the PFE, which is the particulate test we've passed, so there are no large particles that can pass through. It's been uh, an expensive and very long journey. We've had, through the eight prototypes, we've done 16 different tests
1: now. Well, we know that there's no silver bullet solution to COVID, but silver, as you've heard, is a key component and a huge investment by Steve Merson and his company.
3: The cotton mask. Um, are easy to make and relatively inexpensive. It's the silver media that we have over since March, we have been buying silver bullion um, for these masks, and the price of silver has increased by 45% since we started doing this. So we bought a large quantity of silver bullion so that we can we can keep the price stabilized for, for the, our production runs. But it's not only the cost of silver, but it's the testing. These tests the federal government tests are, are, they're charging us $10,000 per test. So we have probably all told, we've got probably $3 million invested in this so far. Between silver and the testing. But it is, we're finally in production now and, and we're doing very well with them. Because they are, they actually work.
1: And so is production happening there in Whitby, or where is that done?
3: Whitby in Toronto, yes. And as we expand our, uh, as we're getting more um, people who who want these masks or they want to know about these masks, we've also lined up two other factories, one in Montreal and one in Vancouver.
1: So again, the idea behind the Merson mask is to be all Canadian-made. The mask tech is high. Steve Merson says marketing began with some old technology. It's hard to believe Merson began this quest only nine months ago when COVID really settled into Canada.
3: We started off the old-fashioned way. We started off in faxes, figuring we had to let as many people know as we possibly could. So we started doing fax blasts of about 80,000 a week. And we've got and we got interest from smaller companies and then we asked we started looking for resellers for these things because we knew that uh you know I could only spend so much time on the phone and and, and talking to so many people. So if I had resellers then that would be easier to do. So we've developed the reseller market through the PPE industry. The PPE industry existed before COVID, it will exist afterwards, but they've also they've pivoted very quickly and so now we have a lot of Larger companies that are not only carrying our masks, but they're selling our masks for us.
1: Well, here in the prairies, you can't find the Merson mask. Well,
3: there is a company in Winnipeg who's representing us extremely well called Ice Marketing. Um, and you can, you can reach out to them at info at Ice Marketing and they, uh, they will help you that. Well, there is we put up a website at viralprotect.net. You can go to viralprotect.net, see the masks, and you can actually order. There's phone numbers there and, uh, email addresses for both the Winnipeg and Saskatchewan distributors. So so, it's a separate webpage for and Saskatchewan.
1: Steve, is protectourworld.net is that
3: one of your websites then? Yes, it is. Yeah, protectourworld.net is the, the mothership, if you will. That's the one we're using. That's the one we're using to break the ice. We're not selling masks directly through there for um, the uh, retail market. We're leaving that up to our wholesalers and our retailers. And in Winnipeg and Saskatchewan, you have two great. Uh, distributors, Johnston Seeds, and Ice Marketing in Winnipeg.
1: Johnson's Grain in
3: Wellwyn? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, Alan, uh, Alan Johnson, Alan Johnson. Is, is, yes, has been a great supporter of ours and enthusiastically has been um, spreading the word for us, and we're very happy to have him on board.
1: You're listening to On the Land from the Rock, and uh, we've been talking to Steve Merson about uh, efforts by his company to produce uh, uh, a mask that actually works against uh, COVID and other nasties. We've got more on the story On the Land from the
0: Rock after this. You're listening to All You Ever Wanted to Know. If you have a question for today's guest, call 783-5160 or 1-855-449-5160. So here on the
1: land, we've been uh, exploring uh, the journey of Steve Merson and his company into the world of uh, masks uh, in the in the middle of this uh, uh, pandemic. I think just before we ended that last segment, I said you can't uh, find the M- Merson mask here on the prairies, uh, which is more or less correct. But you can you can find out how to get one, and we have that uh, that information for you a little ahead here on the program. But uh, Just as we pick up the thread here, uh, I asked Steve Merson what it was like threading his way through the federal bureaucracy.
3: Well, because we are web developers and not, you know, in the PPE business, we didn't even know where to begin. So we hired a gentleman who helped us with the applications for the federal government. And the federal government had been helpful up to a point. They've, you know, been very happy to give us what they think the mask should contain and how it should be made. But they're extremely slow. We we've been waiting now for months and four months now for final approval for medical mastery, And we're not the only ones. There are a lot of other Canadian companies facing the same hurdle, but then the federal government has so much they have to test. They they were caught flat footed when this started. The PPE that had been in stocks for um you know, uh uh pathogen um, like COVID, had all been outdated. So it, they, it wasn't effective for them. They had to throw it out and had to start again. So they're making sure everything they approve has got a long life. They're looking for reusable, too. These masks um, are washable, and so they become reusable. And Canadian-made masks are very rare. General Motors is making paper masks uh in, in Oshawa, but there are not that many Canadian companies making masks. So they're looking at this, but it's taking forever. I'm I mean, sure if, if I was a bureaucrat, I would say, you know, it's taking the time it needs to take. But as, a, as business people, we find it hard waiting.
1: And I think uh, by now most people are acquainted with the uh, initials PPE, personal protective equipment. Uh, uh, now, the cost of an individual mask, uh, $50, that first seems rather high, but the difference... Um, depending
3: on on um, if you need to monograms on them or if you you know depending on the quantity, uh, we have the single masks. We're selling for fifty dollars, but we have quantity orders that under under depending again. You know if you want to order a hundred thousand, I'll give you a special price. If you order over five hundred, we'll put a logo on for you. We've sold a lot of them um, to different like pharmacies, for instance, pharmacy chains. We, there's one in Newfoundland. Uh, we, we just finished branding for them, uh, so if you order quantity, we're happy to put brands on to them also.
1: So uh, uh people that are used to picking up uh, a mask free, mm-hmm. if they if they think it's going to yeah. work, they don't have any problem jumping from. Can I put it in terms of zero to fifty uh, in exactly yeah. type of thing?
3: Yeah, there are a couple of things though, about the paper mask. To start with, the majority of them are made in China.
1: Um And these masks—just <laughs> a slight interruption there. As I was waving my arms around in the studio, uh, uh, my producer Jordan uh, uh, thought I was calling for me to cut that clip. But uh, maybe what we'll do, Jordan, let's uh, let's go. Uh, can we jump right back into it? There, great. Um, <laughs> and
3: these masks that people are wearing—they're only supposed to be used once and then throw them away. But no one has made any allowance for throwing these out. From March until June of this year, $40 billion worth of PPE was purchased and thrown away. It was used and thrown away in in that short amount of time. So you're buying something that you only have to buy once. As long as COVID lasts, you'll have a mask that protects you. It protects you from the flu. It protects you from any virus. So it, it is, you know, it's not a one-time mask. This mask will continue making long after COVID is over because it has so many other properties. The the just as a side, um, the nature of an antibacterial mask means that if uh, you have bad breath, for instance, and breathe through these masks, once once the uh, it hits the antiviral and antibacterial, it cleans the breath. That's what bad breath is, generally, is the smell of bacteria. So when you breathe through it, the bacteria dies, and that's even, I could be chewing garlic behind these masks, and you can't smell it. Well, that would be, that would be they a They never test. smell, which is, it's, it's, I know it's sort of a weird thing to say, but uh, every time I pick these, I've been wearing my mask now for three, four months. I, one of the prototypes, they don't smell. Other masks, you know, you pick them up, And you can smell what you had for lunch. These, they don't.
1: So, again, Steve Merson is a web designer in Whitby, Ontario, whose company has developed a nickel-ion-based reusable mask, not a throwaway but something all of us may soon see as a, uh, another one of those life essentials, I'm sure. Now, m- maybe even as great as a need as a toilet paper phenomenon, which was the first inkling many of us had of the new world of the COVID pandemic.
3: The world is changing so quickly now. Uh, we're, you know, And pathogens like COVID may well appear again. So we're prepared. Um, we have uh, other other products that we're now coming out with using this silver. So we're preparing to be be able to provide these for years to come. For as a flu mask, but God forbid if there's another pathogen that escapes from another country or even from here, we will be protected. And you can keep these in the in the uh wrapping they come in, and they are not affected. So you can store these for five years and put them on, and they're just as good as the day we made them.
1: Wow. Steve, uh, I'm probably missing something out here. Just anything you would add further just to, uh, to close out our conversation here? Sure. It's it, When you buy masks and when you think
3: about it, you're buying them to protect yourself. It's a, it's a natural, you know, you want to protect yourself and your family, but you're also protecting everyone else. Most people who are getting COVID or ACE, they don't have any symptoms. So you don't know if you've had it. You don't know if your friends have it. So this way you're completely protected. You don't have to worry about people you come in contact with. You don't have to worry about your family. It's just reassurance. So for $50 per person, you can you can sleep safely at night knowing that you've done your best. You wear a mask, wash your hands, and stay at least six feet away from people you don't know. These are common sense things that we're all doing and we're all getting, these are part of our lives and we carry on. We'll get to the other side of this if we all do it together.
1: Well, again, uh, here's grain broker Alan Johnson of Wellone on how his already diverse folio of diverse business interests came to focus on a high-tech mask device in the worldwide pandemic.
2: Uh, so I thought I, I heard, I looked into this other mask more, and then they're expensive, like they're $50 a piece. But if you're gonna get some quality, you're gonna to have to pay for it, as is my, in my mind. So I ended up, I ordered 14 in for our staff and our office and my family, and, and we wear them here, they're quite comfortable. And I feel a lot safer in them, because when you breathe in, you warm up these silver ions with your breath. And it kills anything coming in, like bacteria, flu bacteria, or uh, uh, the COVID virus or other viruses. And then the same if you had it. If you're in the hospital and you had a virus, as you breathe out, it it destroys these instantly.
1: That again uh, from a conversation with uh, grain broker Alan Johnson, who's uh, uh, not directly retailing the masks. But you can see a video if you go to uh, uh, viralprotect.net.
2: So, again, that's why I got involved. So I bought them, and, uh, and then these people in Winnipeg that were marketing it didn't have the marketing ability that I do. And I really wanted to help spread this around. And so I took it on. I'm letting governments know. I'm trying to get in touch with Premier Bow, whom I've met a few times, and uh, Dr. Shahab, uh, Brian Palliser's right-hand man from Manitoba, called last week, and they were doing an interview with uh, the inventor in Toronto. He's quite receptive to phone calls. To explain his case, he's done hundreds of thousands of dollars of testing on this, all proper testing. And uh, and he's also got now a new mask. It's a medical mask, uh, which is qualified for doctors and hospitals. You know, he says it's quite ugly, but he says it really works. So what would you rather wear? A piece of Kleenex over your face or something that's actually probably doing something? Might cost you some money, but what's your life worth or what's your quality of your health and your family's worth is my mind. There's very little margin in this for Alan Johnson. I'm just doing it, and you do get a little bit of money out of it if you sell lots. But it's just like marketing rain. If we if we did ten truckloads a, a week, we we wouldn't make enough uh, commissions here to keep our doors open. So you've got to do volume, and it's not what I'm after anyway. What I'm after is spreading this COVID mask around and get everybody in the country to wear them rather than these white masks. These are dark blue, by the way. They're quite nice looking, very comfortable. Got a bridge over your nose and they got two strings on the ears that can be tightened lower or upper to make them snug around your face. So I guess that's my story in a nutshell. And I ask people not to phone here because we're busy in our office, in the Johnson's office. There's a number in Winnipeg I would stress everybody to call. They will, they will do your ordering and pricing and everything and shipping out of Winnipeg. And the number is 204-958-9002. I'll, re- I'll uh, repeat that again when we're done here so you can get it. Just, and I'll those...
1: repeat it right here, Alan.
2: Okay, it's 204-958-9002. I can also connect people like uh, political people. Uh, I've talked to the mayor of Yorkton, and uh, he's talked to my the inventor in Toronto, and he's wide open to speak to anybody, politicians or medical people, pharmacists. that they want to talk to the guy directly, he says, bring him on. I'd love to talk to him. So we're working right now with the uh, nutrient mine in uh, Rokenville as well, and I believe they'll be ordering. They haven't placed their order yet, but I think they're pretty serious about it. I've got uh, pharmacists ordering the product already. And so that's just where it's going. It's just in its infant steps, but uh, people should get involved in this. Take a risk that it's going to be a lot better than your white mask is what I would say.
1: That, again, a conversation with uh, Alan Johnson. Now, Steve Merson is a web designer in Whitby, Ontario, but his company has developed uh, mask technology to defeat COVID-19 as well as other viruses and related nasties. Now, he's the driving force behind marketing the new mask technology. Alan and Judy Johnson founded Johnson's Grain in 1986 from their home near uh, Welwyn, Saskatchewan. Their grain brokerage business is uh, diversified into marketing fertilizer, farm chemicals, uh, plant growth uh, promotants, and other products, now including advanced medical mask technology. Uh, 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 quite a collection and uh, quite an, in my mind, quite an interesting journey. And we thank you for joining us on our journey on the land from the rock. Does your drinking water leave you with a bad taste in your mouth? Or do you have a disgusting
6: scum in your cup after a tea or a coffee? Then it's time to talk to Wheatland Water Conditioning. Their free water analysis will uncover your bad water issues and solve it with a new reverse osmosis system. They've got the products and the expertise to get you to great water. Wheatland Water Conditioning, open Monday to Friday, 1 till 5 p.m., at 73 Myrtle, just a half block north of Smith. So, what's on your Christmas list?
5: I just heard on the radio that McMunn and Yates Furniture has Game Zone recliners on sale. Or maybe a storage ottoman.
6: (laughs) Let me jot this down.
5: Oh, I changed my mind. How about a wine cabinet? Or maybe a bar cart. I'd like that. I can't make up my mind. It's all on sale. Just pick something up and surprise me.
6: So much for the list, then. Save 20% store-wide and up to 50% on selected sofas, love seats, and dining sets. McMunn and Yates
1: Furniture's Black Friday Sale, York Road, Yorkton. Capron Ray Harbor Bible Center on Thetis Island, B.C., Canada, trains men and women in a working knowledge of Jesus Christ, the living word. Through eight months of intensive practical Bible teaching and diverse multicultural community living, eternal truths come alive as students discover the reality of the risen and indwelling life of the Lord Jesus Christ, becoming equipped for full-time Christian service regardless of occupation. Apply today at capronray.ca or
0: call one 224 5681 You're listening to All You Ever Wanted to Know. If you have a question for today's guest, call 783-5160 or 1-855-449-5160.
1: Well, as you heard in that earlier segment, uh, we were talking about uh, mask technology and uh, COVID-19. As we know, COVID-19 numbers are rising, and Saskatchewan got some new protocols yesterday. Uh, the focus is on getting the virus under control, of course. Now, since our federal government has borrowed heavily to sponsor program support related to COVID-19, the Canadian challenge will remain to deal with the economic fallout. The Canadian deficit is expected to skyrocket to $330 billion this year, with $226 billion or tried to, uh, rather tied to various emergency pandemic relief programs. Andrew Coyne is a columnist with the Globe and Mail newspaper and was a featured speaker at a recent virtual Farm Forum event. Coyne says the large majority of Canadians understood the need for government intervention, but he wonders when these programs will be phased out.
6: I think the Liberals see long-term opportunities to raise spending to levels that we have not seen in recent decades that having hoisted spending up so high because of the pandemic and because of the basically universal approval there was for that as an emergency measure, they now seem inclined to leave it there. Uh, whatever spending that might be ratcheted back for emergency measures will simply be replaced by new spending on new programs.
1: That again, uh, Andrew Coyne. Uh, the, and he points out that the numbers are not sustainable.
6: This is a bit of a bait and switch, I have to say. People understood the necessity of putting the economy into a coma to deal with the crisis. I don't think people signed on for the idea that the government would then perform all kinds of experiments on it while it was asleep. It is, uh, I think, a bit of a a breach of faith, frankly. They've got only one way they can go, and that is up. And the only reason that interest rates are so low and have not risen in the face of these unprecedented peacetime accumulations of debt, not only in Canada but around the world, is because the Bank of Canada, like other central banks, has been buying so much of these uh, government bond issues. Okay, they can do that in the short term, and it's not necessarily going to lead to bad outcomes in the short term. But at some point, as the economy starts to pick up again, as we approach fuller employment, uh, the Bank of Canada is going to need to unwind a lot of that monetary stimulus, that quantitative easing.
1: That again, uh, Andrew Coyne, Globe and Mail uh, columnist, speaking on a recent uh, webinar and uh, uh, asking the question that I think is in the minds of many of us uh, uh, about the massive government borrowing. But again, he questioned how long the low, uh, those low interest rates could last. And he says, of course, it could be a delicate process.
6: It is, in my view, the most pressing challenge in the long term for this country. To raise not only the growth rate of investment or the, the the rate of investment, but also the quality of that investment. So that what's not going to need is going to need higher savings rates. It's going to need much more openness to foreign investment to supplement our domestic savings. It's going to need a much more competitive economy, and by that I mean economy in which competition is allowed, and we stop protecting, for example, uh, the telecoms companies or the airline companies from foreign competition and a whole range of other things, knocking down interprovincial trade barriers.
1: So that again, Andrew Coyne, who says the federal government needs to pay more attention to policies that will stimulate long-term economic growth in the fallout uh, from COVID-19. He expects the liberal minority government to last for some time because it will take all three opposition parties to support a non-confidence motion. However, he believes Prime Minister Trudeau would prefer an election before any rise in interest rates. So, on our program today, when we talked about the mask technology and its availability, and uh, there was a phone number. I'll just repeat that. Uh, if you're interested, uh, again, Alan Johnson uh, of Grain Marketing is not technically handling the masks; they're helping with the marketing. If you have questions or would be interested in uh, a commercial connection uh, to Steve Merson and his company, it's two zero four. Nine five eight nine five eight nine zero zero two. That's a Winnipeg company that is actually marketing the masks as well. 204-958-9002. So uh, we thank you for joining us on the program today. Our our pal, Harry Siemens, uh, who uh, usually chips in a great story today uh, about shorthorn cattle. And uh, thanks to our wizard uh, behind the board here, uh, Jordan Patswald, on the land from the rock... I'm Jack Dawes.